few weeks, it appears that things are quickly settling back to some sense of normalcy in our community. Um, at least here at the beach, I believe that traffic is heavier than it's been uh, since last Labor Day. Uh, the swing bridge is starting to turn again like crazy. And businesses are reopening, amusements are restarting, families are reconnecting. And in this coming week, I have a wedding and I have a funeral. Uh, so it seems like uh, everyday operation of things is starting to get back to, to normal. And even around our church, we're looking forward to the day when we will be uh, having corporate worship services again. Maybe looking a little bit different, but very soon we hope that uh, that process of corporate worship will be uh, returning to us again. Through this time of semi-quarantining, uh, I've learned a lot about human nature. Uh, I've learned that most people are desperate for two things. People are desperate for community, and people are desperate to connection. I mean, we just enjoy being around other people especially people that we love and that we care about. Um, and I actually believe that that is the key to abundant life. And at the, at, and the critical connection starts with connecting personally to the heart of God. You're not really connected in life and you're not really enjoying life to its fullest until you come to know the heart of God. And so when you connect your heart with the heart of God, praise and worship naturally flow from your heart. And life comes to full color. It's like having a pair of binoculars that you're, you're dialing in those binoculars until you finally get them fine-tuned and in focus. And that's what true worship is all about. So this morning I invite you to come with me in Psalm 48 as we praise God through this awesome psalm. I'm going to read the psalm aloud and you follow along with me. The superscript says a song, a song of the sons of Korah. Verse 1, the Lord is great and highly praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Rising splendidly is the joy of the whole earth. Mount Zion, the summit of Zaphon, is the city of the great king. God is known as a stronghold in its citadels. Look, the king assembled. They advanced together. They looked and froze with fear. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them there, agony like that of a woman in labor. As you wreck the ships of Tarshish with the east wind, just as we heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of armies, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. Selah. God, within your temple, we contemplate your faithful love. Like your name, God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with justice. Mount Zion is glad. Judah's villages rejoice because of your judgments. Go around Zion. Encircle it, count its towers, note its ramparts, tour its citadels, so that you can tell a future generation, this God, our God forever and ever, 
He will always lead us. God, thank you today for your word. Thank you for the power of your word, not just to speak into our life, but to change our life. And I pray that through this psalm today, we will be drawn to worship you like never before. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I want you to look with me today at four truths, four truths about true worship. The first truth is found in verses 1 and 2, and that is God is present in true worship. Worship is all about connecting with God. Verse 1 says, The Lord is great and highly praised in the city of our God, His holy mountain. Rising splendidly is the joy of the whole earth. Mount Zion, the summit of Zaphon, is the city of the great king. You can tell that the psalmist had a, an incredible uh, love for the city of Jerusalem. Uh, for him, the greatness of the city uh, can only be explained in the greatness of God. God was there in the city. And so for the writer of this psalm, he rejoiced in the fact that Jerusalem was a great city where God existed. When this psalm was written, the city of God was Jerusalem. It contained the hill called Zion with, its, with the temple. And the temple was the place where atonement was made for the sin of mankind. God dwelt within Jerusalem, showing His glory. And in that city, His presence, His presence made the city great. So God is present in true worship. <clears throat> Now, this may sound strange, but I've been involved in some experiences before that were called worship where it was difficult to find God in that midst. Often in our church culture today, activity that we call worship is missing the essential connection with God. And unless we connect our heart to the heart of God, no matter what we do with programming, True worship is not going to take place. Singing might take place, and most often preaching might take place. But if God is nowhere to be found, that's not true worship. I plead with you today not to fall into that trap. That's a place that I never want to see you go. So true worship starts with a humble cry for God that comes from the heart of the worshiper rather than just seeking some feel-good experience. Humility is a response to God's greatness and God's power and God's grace and God's holiness and God's presence. And that's what I want for you and me as we continue in God's presence even today. See, true worship is not about your experience. It's not about my experience. True worship is about the presence of God and the presence of God alone. And you can have that today. As I invite you, along with the writer of this psalm, into the presence of God to focus on true worship.
His holy mountain, in verse 2, rises splendidly as, as the joy of the whole earth. Mount Zion, the summit of Zaphon, is the city of the great king. God's holiness and God's splendor create joy for the worshiper of God. And are you aware that it also creates joy for God? When, when you connect your heart with God and God's heart is connected to your heart, it brings joy to you, but it also brings joy to God. And the writer of Psalm 48 knew that. See, Jerusalem was a beautiful city. It was elevated above the surrounding terrain and the surrounding regions. It was a mighty fortress. And in the eyes of the psalmist, it was admired as the joy of the whole earth. Jerusalem for him was the city of the one true God. Now you know that every nation, every culture has their gods. Uh, even areas that claim no God, that claim to be atheist, are really uh, claiming to be God themselves because they're, they're putting themselves above uh, everything else of, of, of creation. And so every nation had their gods that they worshipped. And the psalmist used an example here of Zaphon, the residence of the chief Phoenician god, El. And in his description here, the picture that he painted, the psalmist says that Mount Zion was the ridge on which Jerusalem towered above every other nation, every other god, and especially the Phoenician god, Zaphon. The community of God's people was to be, according to verse 2, the joy of the whole world, the whole earth. And the reason for that was because God was present there in their worship. And I pray today that God will be present in your worship experience. Because God was present in their worship, their community was based on love and based on justice. And we're going to see that unfold as we move through this psalm today. But God is present in true worship. Truth number two is found in verses 3 through 8. God is powerful in true worship. He's powerful in true worship. Verse 3 says that God is known as a stronghold in its citadels. And then he gives an exclamation. He says, look! You look and you see the hand of God. And you see that God is the stronghold in the citadels around Jerusalem. Now for the psalmist, God was the true defense of the city of Jerusalem. Not the exterior walls. His praise was directed to God. His powerful God. This pandemic that you and I have been living through and continue to live through has demonstrated for us also that the church is not a building. The church is God's people. And I pray that as we continue to move through this time together, even when we begin to regather back in corporate worship at the building, I pray that the church will continue to remain alive just like it has over the last eight or ten weeks. I pray that we will continue to be alive. And we will continue to be uh, ex experiencers of the power of God in our life. 
for you who know and truly worship God, you know that He is a powerful defense. There are times when your life might be falling apart, and I know many have experienced some feelings of that over the last eight to ten weeks. But I know when we are worshiping God and when our heart is truly connected with God, we feel that power that overcomes our life and takes charge in our life. In Psalm 48, verses 4-7, through seven, the psalmist says, The kings assembled. They advanced together. They looked and froze with fear. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them there, agony like that of a woman in labor, as you wrecked the ships of Tarshish with the east wind. So the psalmist knew that many invading kings had tried to come in and join forces together and attack Jerusalem. But even when they tried that, they were defeated. They were overcome with intense pain like the pain of a woman in childbirth. That's pretty intense pain. Or like ships wrecking in a ferocious storm, a ferocious windstorm. That's a pretty vivid picture. I fear that people today in our comfort and in our prosperity have very very little use for God and for His church. And that's a very sad thing. Uh, many see the church as kind of a, a, a past memory from a past generation. And that's so sad. And I would encourage you to rethink that. See, in Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, we have some good news about the future of the church. The Bible says, He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, little rock. And upon this rock, the giant rock, Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. See, when everything else on earth passes away, the church will still be here. When everything else on earth fades and burns away, the church will still be standing strong and the church will stand strong throughout eternity. But you have to stay plugged in to the power source that God is in order to live within that power, within, live within the strength of that power. Over these past few weeks during this quarantine, I've done a number of chores, and one of my chores was to cut down some limbs off of trees in my backyard that have been needing pruning for quite some time. The chainsaw that I use to cut down those trees or cut off those limbs uh, is electric, and so I have a long power cord that runs out to my saw. Occasionally, uh, I will cut a limb off, and the limb will fall down between the saw and the cord and pull the cord loose. Well, a chainsaw that's electric is not worth very much if it's not plugged into the power source. 
And that's the way your life is. If you're trying to go through the motions of living life, and especially if you're trying to go through the motions of worshiping God in life, and if your life is not connected to Him, connected to the power source, then what you're doing is just futile. Your life is just futile if you're not plugged into the power source. And so I would encourage you today to make sure that your worship is true worship because you're plugged in to the power source. In verse 8 of Psalm 48, the Bible says, Just as we heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of armies, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. See, God Himself makes the center of worship secure forever. He established Jerusalem forever. God is most powerful. And one day the most powerful God, again, is going to set up His earthly throne here on this earth. He's going to demonstrate His power by reigning on this earth forever and ever and ever. Chris Tomlin talked about the power of God in his song, Our God. The lyrics go something like this, Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, You are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who can stand against us? If our God is for us, who can stop us? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, You are higher than any other. God is powerful for those who are truly worshiping Him. So I encourage you today to join me in staying plugged in to God. The third truth is that God is praiseworthy in true worship. See, some people today fall into the trap even by going to church, even by going through ritual, even by going through the routine of a service. Some people fall into the trap of worshiping worship. And God forbid that we would do that. Worship is awesome when we put God in the highest place in our life. We put Him in the priority list because He is praiseworthy. In verse 9 of Psalm 48, the psalmist says, God, within Your temple, we contemplate Your faithful love. The faithful love of God throughout the ages, and especially even for us today, just like the psalmist, draws us to give our praise to God because God is praiseworthy. His, unfaithful, his faithful love, His faithful love endures forever. Um, for the psalmist, worshipers meditated on God's un, unfailing love within the protected walls of the city of Jerusalem. Today, the true church is sheltered in the arms of Jesus. And we have the opportunity to be a shelter to those who may be struggling in our world around us. Verse 10 says, Like your name, God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. 
your right hand is filled with justice. You might circle that word justice. Verse 11, Mount Zion is glad. Judah's villages rejoice because of your judgments. There it is again, God's judgments. See, that's what the church must be today. We must be a shelter. It's interesting that the psalmist uses the word here that God's right hand is filled with justice and that the villages rejoice because of God's judgments. See, for the psalmist, as enemy nations were defeated, the praise went to God from His people. And that praise reached the ends of the earth as God's victory was reported around the earth. The strength of God was revealed through His hand of justice. You know that sin is the enemy of God. God has many enemies, but one of the primary enemies of God is sin. And for every sin you commit, every sin you've ever committed, every sin you commit today, every sin you ever will commit, and every sin every person in the whole world has ever committed has to be paid for. And God has provided through His grace judgment for every sin that's ever been committed by taking that judgment upon Himself. He's taken it upon Himself. Now how can you realize the fact that God forgives your sin and God wants to forgive every sin as He has paid the price for that through His precious blood on a cross? How can you be aware of that and not give praise to God? We're drawn to praise God simply by the fact that He has given us freedom from the penalty of our sin. Justice must be served for every sin committed by every sinner. And the just payment for the penalty of your sin has been satisfied through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. In that, we can't help but celebrate. He is praiseworthy. So when you experience relationship with the true and living God through the blood of Jesus Christ, worship takes on a significant expression of devoted worship from your heart, doesn't it? I know it does from mine. And I pray that it does from yours as well. It focuses not on you, but rather on the power of God only the power of God rights every wrong. Only the power of God brings praise to God for the glory that He deserves. And I pray that's the experience of your heart and your life today. The New Testament has something to say about this. In Acts chapters 2 through 4, we see that thousands of people were being saved. Their lives were being transformed. Their lives were being revolutionized because their lives had been touched by the grace of God. They had realized that their sin was forgiven by the precious blood of Jesus. And they had been drawn to God through His grace and through His faith. And they celebrated that by giving their lives, by surrendering their lives to Jesus. Now many Christian communities today have the opportunity to express that same kind of activity 
We are communities of faith today that are built around God's grace and God's faith. I pray today that we will be so attractive to the world around us because we express the grace and the faith that God has given us through our salvation and through the way we not only give Him our praise and worship, but by the way we live our lives before God in worship. See, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we are a living sacrifice before God. And if we live our lives as a living sacrifice before God, other people are going to be drawn into the shelter of God just like we've been drawn into the shelter of God. I pray today that that will be the case at our church. See, just before the quarantine, I started a discipleship relationship with a young man and he was very troubled. He had a lot of issues in life. And his choice to follow his addictions had almost totally destroyed his life. We began a discipleship process and my prayer was that he would come to know Jesus and come to walk with Jesus. And he was making great progress in that, in that process as we met mostly through uh, social media, through Zoom meetings and through FaceTime meetings. But last week, he fell off the wagon. Last week, he relapsed. And in his sadness and in the sorrow that he experienced, he, he decided that he was going to take a radical step to move forward with his life. And so he decided to make the decision uh, to get help through a treatment center. I told him in preparation for leaving that I was very encouraged by the fact that he wanted to move forward, that he wanted to get better. And I told him, in order to encourage him, not to worry about his family, not to worry about his wife, not to worry about his children. Our church would take care of the needs that they had as he went away to take that giant step to try to move forward with his life and try to, try to grow in understanding what God was doing in his life. I want him to see the value of relationship with God. I want him to literally find God through a living relationship and I pray that this church will be a catalyst to see true worship break out in this young man's life as he moves forward with the rest of his life. See, when your primary focus in life and your primary focus in worship is that authentic relationship with God, the growing relationship with God moves you in a position to make God the priority of your life. And that makes the Lord of this church beautiful if you are a member of this church and you take that experience out into the world with you. And I pray that will be true for you today and I pray that will be true for me today. In John chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, we see Jesus make a statement about the fact that He today is the final temple of God the Bible says in John 2.19, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jews then said, it took 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. 
So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the Scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. See, the psalmist saw the temple of God as the presence of the living God. He saw Jerusalem, the place where the temple was, as the living presence of God. Today, we have another living temple. And that temple is Jesus Christ Himself. And I pray that you will not go through another day. I pray that you will not go through the day without coming to know the living temple, Jesus Christ. When you know Him, you know He's praiseworthy. Because God is praiseworthy in true worship. Finally this morning, the fourth truth is that God is protector of true worship. God is protector of true worship. In Psalm 48, verses 12 through 14, the Bible says, Go around Zion, encircle it, count its towers, note its ramparts, tour its citadels so that you can tell a future generation. This God, our God forever and ever, He will always lead us. See, the psalmist had a message for the future. The psalmist had a message that went beyond his generation to a future generation. And God's people were called then and are called today to consider the lasting security of relationship with God. For the psalmist, that lasting relationship was, was epitomized around Jerusalem. For you and me today, that lasting relationship with God is epitomized through the church, through the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. The Bible says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Do you see it? Jesus is the temple. And when you are in relationship with Jesus, when your heart is connected to the heart of God through Jesus, you are part of the temple of God. You are a shelter to which people can run for safety and security. In verse 13, in verse 12 of Psalm 48, we're reminded that today when Christians count Zion's towers, they thank God for the church and joyfully trust God to protect what they have become in Christ. In verse 13, when they tell of them to the next generation, they show people who desperately need God where He can be found, not just with words, but through actions, through the demonstration of what God has done to change our life and exchange the sin of our life for His justification and His freedom and His salvation. Every man, every woman 
every child in our region deserves the right to hear the gospel. And today God has chosen to share the gospel through the church, through His body, through His people. So how's it going with that? How are we doing with being the temple of God, representing God to the generations around us who desperately need to know Him and need to find Him? In verse 14 of Psalm 48, the psalmist wraps up the psalm by saying that the Lord is our guide even to the end. See, when God calls you to be part of His body, when He calls you to be a part of the temple of God, He doesn't leave you alone to you know, kind of muddle through life on your own. He's your guide. He's your helper. He sends the Holy Spirit to help you along the way, to guide you along the way. He talks about our guide even to the end. To the end of what? In our world today, just like it's been for always, most always, the greatest ending in life is death. Some people fear death. Some people perceive death as you know, being uh, all that there is to existence. Nothing could be farther from the truth. In the mystery of death, Jesus Christ, by rising from the dead after He was crucified on the cross, demonstrated to us that He had victory over death. And so when our lives are anchored to the life of Jesus, He moves with us into death and takes us out the other side for eternal life. How exciting is that? If you can't get excited about that, then it's impossible for you to give praise to God like true worship calls for. But when you get excited about that, true worship literally flows from your life. God is protector of worship. See, God initiates worship in who He is. And His grace and justice draws worshipers to Himself like a magnet. We are His flock, His dwelling, His body, His kingdom, His people, His love. That young man I was speaking of earlier said last week that he felt like life was hopeless because nobody cared about him, nobody loved him. I was able to reach out to him and tell him, hey man, listen, that's just not true. As a brother, I love you. As a creation of God, a fellow creation, a fellow sinner, a fellow struggler, a fellow man, fellow man on the journey. I love you. I care about you. But even more than that, you need to understand that God cares about you. And if you'll give Him a chance, He'll demonstrate that great love that He has for you. That was the message that the psalmist in Psalm 48 ended his challenge with. So this psalm looks ahead to the last days when Jerusalem will be surrounded by hostile forces. And we're surely getting close if we're not already in that day today. But even in Zion's darkest hour, God will come to the rescue. 
God's going to stand again on this earth. Jesus is coming back again. Last week we talked about the fact that the Messiah will descend from heaven and return to the Mount of Olives. And He will plant His feet on this earth. Revelation 14 and verse 1 says, Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion. He is our protector. He is our defender. And He is coming back to set up His kingdom on this earth again. So the question is, are you giving praise to Him? Are you ready to meet Him when you meet the opportunity to be with Him for eternity? See, in the last days, God will be present. And He will be the focus of powerful, authentic, praiseworthy, protected worship. And I pray that you will be a part of that praising number. So remember today, praise is not about a place. It's about a person. And that person has a name, and His name is Jesus. Worship is about praising God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So won't you join with me today in giving that praise to Him? Locks are made for a purpose. Locks are made to protect stuff. And a master key is a key that opens not just a door to a few locks, but to all the locks for that particular purpose. And that's what the true worship of God is. When you give your life to Jesus, when you trust Him, He is the master key that unlocks the door to all of life for you. And Jesus can be your master key to abundant life and abundant worship today. I know last week during our worship service, several people surrendered their life to Jesus and shared that with us. And I pray that today you will become a part of that committed community if you've not already done so as well. Will you make that choice today? Will you give your life to Jesus, surrender to Him, trust Him, and make life all about Him? By way of application now, I just have two points. Number one, praise God for Jesus. I mean, think about it. Without Jesus, we would be on our own. In John chapter 15 and verse 9, the Bible says, Just as the Father has loved me, Jesus said, Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. That's the master key. The master key to life and worship is abiding in the love of Jesus. So if you've never done that, abide in Him today. Abide means that you become a true worshiper. Your first step in coming to abide in Jesus is to allow Him to exchange your sin for His forgiveness. To exchange your sin for His gift of grace and His gift of faith. And He wants to give that to you today. You confess and repent of your sin. Then you commit and make all of life about Jesus. That's the master key to true life, abundant life, and true worship. Abundant worship. And then secondly, I would simply say to all of us, praise God for His help. 
He's there to help us today with whatever struggles we're going through. He's there to help us today draw close to His heart and experience true worship. See, you can sing and celebrate with all the energy and emotion in the world. But if relationship with God is not the focus, if you're not connected with your heart to God, you're just participating in emotional experience and that's not true worship. So plug in today to the relationship that God wants to have with you through Jesus and experience with me true worship like maybe you've never had before. It's not an event. It's a lifestyle. I have two symbols on my desk. Two symbols remind me every day they remind me every day of the value of, of true worship. When, when I was about 10 years old, um, I lived in a house that was about a mile from a, a store that was a little convenience store. We called it the little store. And in the summertime, I would often um, walk down the street from my house. It was kind of a grown-up uh, path from my house to the little store. And I'd walk down and I would look for Coca-Cola bottles. and I would find the Coca-Cola bottle and then I would find another one. I knew if I found two Coca-Cola bottles that I could exchange those two Coca-Cola bottles for a Coca-Cola because they had deposits on Coca-Cola bottles back then. And I would trade the two bottles in for a Coca-Cola and then stand in the store and drink that, uh, drink that drink and enjoy it so much. One day, I was walking down the street and I found two bottles, jackpot, I hit the jackpot. And I was, I was walking down the street, I was so happy, I was just singing along the way. And as I was singing along the way, I was moving my arms up and down like this with the Coke bottles in my hand. And all of a sudden, I got into my song so much that the two Coke bottles hit together and they crashed and they broke. And so I continued to walk to the store and I got to the door of the store and I was looking at the two broken bottles and I said, my reason for going was gone. <laughs> I didn't have the money to buy the coats. My prayer for you today is that you will not be found without what it takes to have true worship experiences with God. That your heart will be totally connected with God. And that your reason for going, the reason for worshiping will be alive and vivid and well and not broken. God, I thank You today for the truth of Your Word. I thank You that You are calling us to a life of worshiping You, not just experience from one week to the next, but every moment of everyday life of walking with You in true worship. God, I pray that just like the psalmist loved the city of Jerusalem because that's where the presence of God is, I pray that for us today, God, we will be so close to You that our hearts will be so close to You that we will be drawn to You to worship every moment of every day. God, help us to show our love for You because You've shown Your love for us because of who You are. God, I pray that we will truly have a reason to be called to You in worship because our relationship with You is not broken. Our relationship with You is alive and well. 
and help us to take whatever steps we need to take to make that relationship come alive today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.